Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. The Woman in the Red Dress, Part 2. What's her name again? Lilith. Good biblical name, the pug said. How the hell would you know? How would I know what her name is? The pug put its head on one side, squinting at me. You dense or something? No, I meant... Never mind. The double front door was up a couple of steps. At one point a grand affair with pillars on either side. Now the glass in the doors was fractured and crazed, the paint peeling where it wasn't already gone. I stepped up to the left door and pushed. It swung inwards, the hinge creaking hideously. Lilith? My voice didn't echo as much as I thought it would, and as my eyes adjusted to the darkness I could see why. Where the area immediately behind the doors shows signs of wear, leaves blown in, shards of glass knocked through, the rest of the entranceway was immaculate. The only light was coming from the window above the door, through which the moon was shining. It was decorated in a style that I could only describe as dated. A grandfather clock ticked to one side of the flight of stairs that led up to the second floor. Several sideboards and a tall cupboard lined the walls, each one decorated with sepia photos and old silhouette portraits. The cupboard contained a full set of china, each piece covered in complex patterns. The carpet was once red, gone brown with age but still soft. A couple of double-width armchairs were stood, one either side of the door. The tick of the clock was the only sound as I stepped into the hallway, the pug trotting after me. Lilith! A thumping sound upstairs made me freeze in place, and then I heard a sort of dragging noise. What the hell was that? Beats me, the pug said. Go look! What? No! You go look! I'm just a dog, the pug said. What am I going to do if there's some sort of axe murderer or something? I reached down and picked the dog off the floor, bringing its squashed face up level with my own. You never said anything about axe murderers, I hissed. Or it might have been the wind. How am I supposed to know? The dragging sound turned into footsteps on wood, moving across the top of the stairs, and I put the pug under my arm, ready to run. The legs that came into view were shod in high heels that seemed to sparkle in the moonlight. She was wearing the same red dress I'd seen her in before, but now it looked new, and she had what looked like a thin silk button-up top over it. Her hair wasn't matted into a grey nest anymore, but was long and sleek and chestnut-brown. She stopped four steps from the bottom of the stairs. Welcome, she said. And as she breathed the word out, every oil lantern on the hallway walls glowed into life. Um, I said. She was beautiful, revealed in the warm light, her smile twisting coyly to one side. It's been a long time since I was here, she went on, taking another step down towards me. A long time since I was banished from here since my memory was taken from me. She took another step. The man who invited me here, he was desperate, penniless, people after him, so he offered me something he thought he could live without. Who needs a soul? That was what he said. 
She smiled that crooked smile again. Incredible, really, that it took the feeble mind I was left with so long to collect the shards of myself back together and then wander into here. Well, um, I said, that's great, but I have to be going now. Uh, my friend, Barry, he's waiting for me. I clutched the pug closer to me, feeling him tremble even through my coat. Oh, I can't let you go, she said, taking another step down, one hand resting proprietorially on the banister. Dark shadows were beginning to form behind her, rising up into a shape that may have been colossal bat wings. Being homeless is such a detriment to one's appetite, you know. She bared her teeth in a feral grin and took a final step down onto the carpeted floor. I sensed movement by my feet and tore my eyes from her. The carpet was pushing upwards, forming little clawed hands that groped and pawed at my trousers. One clamped down onto the very end of my trainer, a claw piercing the fabric and stabbing into my toe. I yelled out in pain and the spell was broken. With one almighty swing of my arms, I threw the pug into her face as she stalked towards me, then turned and grabbed at the door. Behind me I heard a yelp and angry words in a language I didn't recognise, and then I was out of the door, running across the grounds. There was a skittering of paws, and the pug drew level with me. What the hell was that? It panted, voice muffled due to the ragged piece of red dress in its mouth. I had to bite her. Sorry, I wheezed back. Needed a distraction. Besides... Whatever I had been about to say was drowned out by an explosion of bricks and mortar. I turned in time to see an immense grey-skinned woman, red dress flapping in the wind, rearing out of the destroyed house. Her eyes were completely white, without pupils, and her teeth had become fangs longer than my entire body. She roared and unfurled the black wings on her back, wings that stretched further than the crumbling brick wall that bounded the estate. With a single leap and a downdraft that sent me sprawling, she flapped her wings and shot upwards into the darkness. By the time I sat up, the night was quiet again. And then the pug said, Blimey, that was noisy. Somehow, we got back into town without meeting anyone, back to the little apartment I called home. I must have slept, because the next thing I knew I was in my bed, slapping blindly at the alarm screaming out of my phone. I sat up and looked at it fuzzily. The pug chose that moment to leap onto the bed, almost directly onto my groin. Oh God, I said, looking into its doughy eyes. You're still here. The pug barked. Not talking now, huh? I swung myself out of the bed and took my dressing gown off the hook, wrapping it around myself, then pulled my trousers on from the day before. The pug barked again, tongue lolling out of its mouth before scampering ahead of me into the kitchen. As the kettle boiled, I turned the radio on and listened intently. Over the course of the cup of coffee, bitter and cheap tasting, I heard stories about a plane crash, a murder, economic problems in Russia, something about Ebola and then the local news, a farmer in revolt over cattle prices, the local football team getting relegated again, and the weather, which was windy but otherwise normal. Nothing about the mansion, I said to the dog. It looked up as I spoke, stared at me for a moment, 
then went back to licking under its back leg. A tiny piece of doubt crept into my mind and blossomed, fractal tendrils shooting out in all directions. I went upstairs and pulled open the curtains, turning my gaze to the hilltop. The manor house was there, intact, complete. I stared, uncomprehending, then ran back downstairs, dressing gown flapping out behind me. As I burst into the kitchen, the pug jumped up, barking with excitement. My phone was where I had left it on the counter, and with trembling fingers I tapped in my unlock code, then brought up the most recent calls. Nothing. No calls since the afternoon of the day before. Barry calling to tell me that he was out of rolling papers and to get some at the shops. And then... Nothing. No incoming payphone call. I stared at the pug, at the phone, trying to make sense of it all, and then let my hands fall limply. It was all... What? A fever dream? Something I'd made up to cover getting drunk or high, stealing some homeless woman's dog and bringing it home? I slipped my phone into my pocket, and as I did so, something touched my hand. Something smooth and unfamiliar, half in the pocket of my trousers. What the hell? Gingerly, I pulled it out and looked at it, laying it across the palm of my hand. A fragment of red silk, torn as though from being bitten off. Not knowing what to expect, I brought it to my nose and inhaled. A hint of perfume nearly drowning out the subtler sense of age and dust and decay, clung to the silk. And then, almost as if the memory of smells had been the only thing keeping it together, the silk crumbled into dust and drifted away in the golden sunlight that shone through the kitchen window in rays so strong that they were almost tangible. If you've enjoyed this week's story, please consider writing a review on iTunes. They really do help. And if you'd like to hear more Pocket Fiction, you can find it all on iTunes or at stevecookfiction.com. <laughs>